0: now your weekly dose of inspiration inspiration perspiration perspiration perspiration, and just the right amount of bull defecation (laughs) the get you some radio show with your host the vice president of making shit happen terry lancaster greetings and salutations everyone welcome back to the get you some radio show now I was watching some TV last night. I was watching an old episode of The Wire, and I heard my new favorite phrase. I'm going to try to sneak this into as many conversations this week as I can. The phrase was fecal gravity, and we all know what that means. Crap flows downhill, but it's not just the crap that flows downhill. Everything flows downhill, the good stuff and the bad stuff, and we're talking specifically about the culture in your business. Um, I was at a convention in Denver just a couple weeks ago, and I heard a presentation by today's guest, and she said these magic words, just really, really, ca- I've been thinking about them ever since I've heard them. She said, happy employees create happy customers. So we're going to talk about how you treat your employees, your, their work experience, how their work experience affects your customers' buying experience. Today's guest is Subi Ghost from Stream Automotive, and we'll be, at, we'll be right back with Subi right after this. Make more friends, sell more cars. 97% of car shoppers say they would prefer to know their salesperson before they ever set foot in the dealership. People buy from people they know, like and trust. And they refer their family and friends to people they know, like and trust. Visit TerryLancaster.org to learn how your sales staff can get more reviews, more referrals, and more repeat business by building better, stronger, more authentic relationships, online and in real life. Lancaster.org Ghosh, how you doing
1: good good thank you so much for having me oh thank
0: you so much for taking the time to talk to me I know you've been on a whirlwind tour you've been to Ireland you've been around the world and and you just got back and you got a big convention next week so uh, I'm super excited that you took a took a minute to talk to us today
1: Of course of course.
0: So tell us about this idea. I want to talk about culture. And one of the things that you talked about in Denver was that maybe 20, 25 years ago, you could get away with having a bad situation at the dealership. If, If the general manager was a jerk and the general sales manager was a jerk and most of your salespeople were a jerk, maybe you could get away with that 25 years ago. But the world has changed and people share everything. Every experience goes online for every person to see. And you can't get away with it anymore.
1: Absolutely. I I wouldn't even go back 20, 25 years, even five, 10 years ago, you could get away with so much more. Yeah. But now it's not, and I call it both, I kind of divide it. There's internal and external culture in in my book, right? So your internal culture is your employees, how they, the morale, how they're getting leadership and how they feel and how they interact with the organization overall. And then there's your external culture. And it's your community, how they respond to you. But the reality is the people that work at your dealership are also members of the community. So there's a big bleed in the middle. And now with people having social media at their fingertips, it's so important for us to focus on every aspect of culture, not just the advertisements we put out. Because people engage and experience things, and they're very vocal about it now more than ever before. So absolutely, we could get away with it, even five ten years ago, but we've seen little mom and pop bakery shops completely shut down because of really bad customer experience. Just one person makes a viral video, and not just mom and pop shops, but huge multi-million dollar organizations have to fire people or make changes, or Starbucks, for example. They had to really make a big statement that cost them money, uh, so any one of us could fall victim to it if we don't have the right steps morale culture and then also steps in how to deal with it if something does happen
0: it's really it's really democratized the the the, the, the customer the purchasing decision because you know even though as individuals we, we feel like we don't have any power the individual has enormous power to affect change now because we have the ability to speak to so many of our friends and for even things don't necessarily have to go viral and reach millions of people, but in, yeah. you know, your local community, if, if 200 of your friends hear that, you know, you got, uh, you, you got treated poorly at, at, at a business, that's, that's going to negatively impact that business.
1: Yeah. And, and before we would have, somebody would have a bad experience and they would maybe tell their close knit five or 10 people, but they might even give you a shot the next time. Mm-hmm. But now, when they tell their five or ten people, it's often on social media. Mm-hmm. And you, you, we forget, I think, sometimes that social media isn't about the ten people they're friends with. It's about all of their friends and all of their friends' friends that cause this ripple effect that even just makes that one post visible enough for them to engage with. And then what happens is people get emboldened by this, this ability to speak up that they won't give you a next shot, and right. on top of it, they get fired up because people then chime in with their opinions, and and, and it's almost like um, I feel like they would feel embarrassed by giving you another shot. So it's not just, it's not just that one experience anymore, and, and we have to be so careful about how we engage on so many levels, but having the, the actual st- steps in place, I think, when I talk about culture, is the most important part.
0: The steps. What, what, so what steps?
1: Okay. So a lot of people think that culture is this huge beast, this scary thing that they have to solve, and it, it seems like too big a project, so they kind of put it off. It's a side burner kind of thing. When in reality, it's all the little things that you can do that create a better environment. you got to start somewhere. And if you start somewhere and not only hear what your employees are trying to tell you, but just start somewhere and give them a little, it can end up being a big thing. Big difference. But for me, I think some of the basics that you can do are putting together a mission statement. Start somewhere, start small of what you think that you are and how you're supposed to serve customers if you're putting this label on yourself, I am a an employee from XYZ Motors, mm-hmm. then what ends up happening is no one's on a the everyone's on the same page. Not just on the same chapter, they're on the same page saying, This is what it means to work here and this is how I have to act. To fit in, and I think that's a, a really important first step. A lot of people make it about the warm and fuzzies like, mm-hmm. is everyone having fun? And that's important too, but I think we ignore some of the more structure elements that help really create a foundation that helps take your culture to a lot further than just people having fun because there's so many different personalities.
0: And, and and every and everything is personal. It's we're we're asking our salespeople to put themselves out into the public and and uh, and be an advocate, a brand, an evangelist for our dealerships. We're asking our salespeople to be evangelists, and we maybe we're not giving them something to evangelize. You know, if they're not necessarily super proud of the way the dealership operates, they can't uh, advocate properly.
1: Uh, I couldn't agree more, and it's it's. Uh, I would say it's even more than that because the general perception of being a salesperson is already a negative one. Mm -hmm. So many people have great cultures and they're afraid to put out there and tag themselves working in a dealership because they're embarrassed. Um, And and don't get me wrong, that's not everyone, but it's a pretty good chunk in the middle. Mm -hmm. And we're not really giving people a reason to come to us. Turnover is not only annoying and frustrating on the dealership level, it's also really expensive. So some of these things that you can put into place, like as simple as job descriptions and expectations, that can really help both the employee and the employer feel like we're moving in the right direction, and that could be a huge component of your culture. It's not, again, all about the fun and the perks. Those, those things also help solidify what it means to work at your dealership. Um, and I, I say this often and people think I'm being stupid, but I really do believe that it only takes one person to make a difference. When I first got into my dealership, we didn't have any structure, we didn't have any culture at all other than um, the simple basics of what it meant to sell and and do it right. And and that's good guidance to some, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people that need more than that. and So I just started uh, putting things in place and a, um, a mentor of mine. Her phrase, it, Christy Roman, one of the founders of Women Automotive, The phrase that that's really imprinted on me is "ask for forgiveness, not permission." Right. And so I, I didn't know it at the time, but I was just putting things in place because we didn't have it. And a lot of people will allow you to do it, but we ask for permission so much of things that they don't know how to do, mm-hmm. and end up getting nos instead of just doing the work and saying, "This is what I've done. This is what I'm going to tell people. Is that okay?" And a lot of times you're going to just be able to do it. Um, And one person can make a huge difference. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how big or small your organization is; you can definitely be the agent of change.
0: So, so, since you mentioned it, you brought up women in automotive, and yeah, I know you've got the conference coming up next week. And we were we were talking before. I come from a from a media background. I sold radio advertising before I got full 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 bore into the automotive business. Sold radio, and I was a major market radio salesperson for a, for a big time radio station. And the uh, and the sales fat staff was literally eight women. One gay guy and me. I was the only heterosexual male on the sales staff. So I've always been surprised. I've been surprised for a long time that there aren't more women on the sales floor in the automotive business. And I think that affects the culture. I mean, 50% of the buyers, at least 50% of the buying decisions are coming from women. But most, I don't know very many dealerships that 50% of the salespeople are women.
1: No, not even close. I believe the latest NADA study that just came out talking about the numbers, it's between four it's either it's between fourteen and sixteen yeah. percent of the makeup of the retail environment in automotive. Only fourteen to sixteen percent is women. And unfortunately, only a teeny tiny percentage of that percentage is in management. Everyone else is in sales. But it's not just a women's topic. These core fundamentals of culture that I think if we polled all of the people in retail, all of the salespeople, the core facets of what drives people away and quickly um, are, are turnover issues. It comes down to a lot of the same basics. We function the way that we have done for years, and so we think it's okay, and so we say, this is how it's been, so this is how it should be. But in reality, we can solve a lot of the issues that ail not just women, but Different generations. I mean, we're still trying to solve the millennial problem, but I'm I'm a millennial by by definition, and right. I'm in my mid thirties. Yeah, we're, we're now talking about Generation Z coming into the workplace, and we can't figure out gener- the, the millennial generation. <laughs> um, so there's I mean, there's a lot. There's it's not just women, uh, but things like our hours and our bell to bells, and you know the the work life balance. That I think is the biggest reason why so many people have this romantic idea that when they find success in the dealership, they wanna go elsewhere. But if you have someone successful like that, someone who is driven and passionate, we should be fighting hard to keep those people in retail instead of them having this romantic idea of the vendor world, which oftentimes chews people up and spits them out because it's, it's a very different atmosphere.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the, you, you talked about how much turnover cost to the average, you know, the turnover is what 70% among the sales staff, something like that. That's going to cost a dealership and not just sales staff, but cost the average dealership, what, half a million dollars to to keep these people. So we're talking about real money by convincing people, you saving real money by convincing people to stick, stick around. how, how, How can we make the car business better? And and, and so many people get into the car business in in the sales and specifically because it's a chance to make a lot of money and a lot of folks come in like, I'm going to make a lot of money until the next thing comes along and then they find it as a temporary thing. So what what can start making it to become a more permanent type situation or something that someone looks forward to being into for the long
2: haul? Um.
1: Some of the things that I just kind of touched on, I think are the big things. Our hours, our work-life balance, um, and identifying that the people that were attracted to retail 10, 15, 20 years ago were a different breed of person. They were also, it was also a time where loyalty and um, sticking to your job for a long period of time, those those were the norm, but now if you go and ask a college, preparing college students, Three years is a sufficient amount of time to spend at one po- one place. Right. So if you look at it in that frame of mind, just that one thing, um, loyalty isn't just there for your employer as it was years and years ago. Loyalty has to be earned. That's one of the things that society has evolved with, partly due, in my opinion, to the evolution of technology and social media. Mm-hmm. Right. The more we're vocal, the more rapidly we're changing. The more our environments seem to need to change with us. And yet, the dealership in general terms isn't evolving at that same rate. So things like work-life balance, identifying the fact that all these different people have different needs and desires. One of the things that I did at my first dealership was um, poll my people all the time. You know, What is it that means something to you? And then I identified incentives based on the individual. One of my employees wanted to be an actor. So one of the incentives that I would give him was being able to dedicate an hour a week to videos
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and honing his skill because that kept him creative. But it's all things that helped my dealership because I needed video anyway and mm-hmm. I didn't want to get in front of a camera. <laughs> so identifying different people's incentives, there are going to be a big chunk of the people that are that are going to work for a dealership that are going to be m- motivated by money. Right. There's also going to be a big chunk that isn't. So I would, I would, instead of the incentive being, you know, spiffs for, for X, Y, and Z that result in $100, I would make it for time off.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that ended up motivating people a lot more. So really trying to listen to your audience and identify what it is that they want um, is a great first step. We end up making decisions for people and not realizing these are human beings that aren't the same as when we started a long time ago. Um, But they have a voice, and they want want to be heard.
0: Yeah, and and, and you talked about the work experience and the buying experience, and not all buyers are the same. So for many buyers, time is much more valuable than price as well.
1: Absolutely. And if we're talking about culture for the consumer, that external culture, time is increasingly important as, you know, the likes of Carvana. Carvana's coming into our space and taking our business simply because they're simplifying the process for consumers, not mm-hmm. because they're so much better, not because they have a great you know, customer interface, but not because they have product knowledge experts. It's simply because it is a fast and easy way to what, for a lot of people, to avoid the negative connotation of what it is to do business with a dealership. Yeah, um, and I feel if we if we solve those problems in house, they're not going to look elsewhere because people do still want to do business with local businesses, and we're just not, in general, giving them that experience.
0: Well, what, what I tell everyone is. Caravana is not doing anything. Anything that I know of, that any dealership in the world can't do. It's yeah. just they're 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 taking the focus a little different, positioning themselves differently. But it's not rocket science. They're not doing anything great. I you know uh, I, I got a mortgage and they came to my kitchen and signed it. So lots of business. You know Amazon brings everything to my door now. Everything has yeah. changed to convenience, and and the dealerships are still. You got to sit in F and I and wait for an hour and a half for somebody to you know tell you what your credit score is.
1: I mean, I think just last year, when NADA re- released their study that they do every year, I think it was just last year it said that from the time they make a decision, it takes about, on average, throughout the country, four hours to complete the transaction. Mm-hmm. That's abysmal.
2: Yeah. I mean,
1: and, I mean we, we wonder why people don't like wanna, <laughs> they don't want to do business with us. And we look at those numbers, and I, I did this. I, I helped my friend buy a car. I did all of the numbers for him so it would be fast and it still took about three and a half hours. Mm -hmm. That's unacceptable and yet it's the norm. Don't get me wrong because there are a lot of dealers doing it right. There are a lot of dealers that really have the right thought process and structures and really trying to, to fill the gap so that as an industry we don't end up completely irrelevant in an age of the Carvana types and the technology companies. But um, the great majority, unfortunately, has not evolved.
0: You uh, you spoke we spoke about saving time and I know that you you personally on, on a personal front you decided a while back to reprioritize your life and and maybe not spend a hundred percent of your time talking about the car business and you, like I said you just you just got back from uh, from your trip around around the world and you're doing more things on your personal life and it so I want to talk about that the 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 work life balance and how we can get. Uh, that better one of my one of my complaints about the, the car business is the uh, is the hustle and grind thing and hustling and grinding and working bell to bell and people are bragging about working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I love that thing on uh, the internet that says, oh I remember my, my first 40 hour a week job, you know, first yeah. part time job. And I've always thought that was just crazy. Why are you bragging that's that about being so unproductive?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, it actually my my conscious effort to have a better work-life balance uh, was stemmed from the whole hustle grind movement because it irritates me so much. Mm -hmm. I think we already have enough negative stereotypes and enough to overcome with our internal culture as an industry, right? We're connected with each other, we talk to each other, we motivate each other but we also end up putting roadblocks for each other. We don't actually end up helping the industry overall. Um, A lot of the times when we're doing this infighting and talking, but for me, it was, you know, I was really tired of this stereotype as some of the others. I think David Villa just wrote a book about this, kind of redefining the whole hustle and grind because I believe in working smarter and harder um, and not just working hard to show people, right? Like, I want my work to speak for itself. Mm -hmm. And the best thing that I could do to fight this is to be an example and so I, it's hard sometimes because I think we think, okay, well, if I don't post enough, are people going to forget me? You know, if I don't write enough, are people going to, am I still going to remain relevant? Um, if I don't show people that I'm at, you know, 15 dealerships in a week, does that make me not good enough? And on the sales side, it's the same. Um, and so it's a, it's a decision that I made and it was hard at first, but now what I realize is by focusing on the time that I spend and allocating the hours appropriately to both my work, to my family and friends and to travel and faith and the things that I prioritize, I find that I'm far more efficient and far more productive because I am a stronger person at the end of the day than chasing these ridiculous goals that somebody else has put out there for me.
0: Well, the, w- the way I explain it to people is you can't build a better business without building a better you, and you have to take care of you, and I, ca- I kind of reached the same decision you made about four or five years ago. I got to the point in my life where I being, being working, working all the time just wasn't enough for me. I, th- I, th- I thought I had other things to offer, and I, I did, I, and I wrote a book about that, about building a better building a better you and how that affects you building a better business because I think you can't have one without the other. It all ties in
1: together. Agreed, and and if I could leave people with the most important thing is that you're all members of a culture, of multiple cultures, with with your organization, with your industry, with your peer networks, with a bunch of different, anything that you interface with, you're a member, right? And we can define, we can define what it means to be in automotive today, or we can allow it to define for us what we're supposed to be. And when I followed that path, I was really miserable. So mm-hmm. as an individual, I chose and decided what I'm going to do and how I'm going to spend my time. And I have a really awesome employer that has an incredible culture. Stream companies, one of the things that really impressed me about the company was how the leadership is involved in everything, but they've also set a really great structure for us to know every single step of what we do and how we're supposed to do it um, without the micromanaging feel. It's all just kind of – in. It, it kind of gets – put into your veins <laughs> during training week and then it's just yeah. this is who you are and you have the authority to make decisions but you know who we are so you can um, so as an individual identify that what it is for you but define your goals or else the industry defines these goals for you what it means to be successful or what it means to to climb the ladder and what it and none of that really matters what do you want? Define yeah. for yourself. And if you don't have a definition, what the heck are you working for? <laughs> you can't, so get, you somebody can't get anywhere
0: else. without a roadmap.
1: <laughs> yeah. So define so uh, it for yourself. And and I think that's where it starts. Because then once you define your goals, then you can define what hustle means for you and what speed you have to go to to achieve those things and when you're on or off course. But if you don't have that basic definition, you're yeah, just we- following somebody else's path.
0: We have the this is the Get You Some Radio Show, and it's for salespeople and entrepreneurs and, and people and, and dealers and, and managers and everyone who are involved, people who eat what they kill is what I tell. So everyone thinks the sum is more money. And of course it's about making more money, but it's about more about leading a better life. And what I tell everyone is that the sum in the Get You Some radio show is health happiness and prosperity so it's all of those things tied in together and and building the life that you want to lead a, li- a life worth sharing a life worth telling people about so uh, I promise everyone if they're gonna spend 25 minutes a week watching the show that that will give them one thing that they can do to make their life better to create health happiness and prosperity in their life. So be on the spot what's the one thing a person watching the show today they can put down their phone they can step away from their keyboard and today Take an action, one action step to improve their life.
1: Okay, since we're talking about culture, I'll break it down into two parts. If you're a dealer, if you're an executive, and you find that there are trends that say people are leaving and they're not staying and they're not happy, don't ignore it because the managers are telling you what you wanna hear. Look at those trends and ask your front lines what it is that's missing or broken, or maybe just needs to be tweaked, ask them and then act on it. Don't just listen and do nothing because ultimately a single person can make a huge difference, but it's so much faster and so much more effective if it comes from the top. And if you're that that person at the top, you can change lives if you chose to. And the moment you do, this isn't just hippie jargon. This is if you do this, you will increase business because the more happy your employees are, the, more, the happier they are in engaging with consumers. So happy customers breed happy customers. Happy employees breed happy customers. And it's it's not just mumbo-jumbo. It's fact, and you'll see it on your, your financials. And if you're an individual, if you're a salesperson, um, or just an employee at a dealership or at a company, I encourage you to look for opportunities where you can ask for forgiveness and not permission and start acting on it. We so often look for permission and we wait for someone to give us the opportunity that we don't take the opportunities that are in front of us to do. And most employers will reward you for putting in the work before you ask for the fruits of your labor. Uh, when you do that, and, and I can speak not just from one, lo- one company, one dealership. I've worked at three different dealerships in three completely different regions with three completely different leaders. And every single time I took the opportunities that were in front of me and just did not just for myself, but for the greater good of the dealership, it always ended up benefiting me in some way, shape or form in title bumps or pay. And it'll, it'll happen the same for you. And if you're really hitting those roadblocks, then reach out to me and I will help you find a better place to be able to be that agent of change.
0: Tell everyone about the Women's in Automotive Conference happening Uh, (laughs) next week.
1: Yeah, Women in Automotive is an organization we started five years ago. And every year we've Uh, exceeded our own expectations. We have incredible speakers from incredible OEMs um, that want to participate to change the culture of automotive as it pertains to women, but my mission is women. the women's topic is just one aspect. If I can change that, I can then help change it for everyone else just because it's the easiest and the most open dialogue right now. So generations, millennials, Gen Z, cultures, different races everyone uh is welcome men are welcome if not invited to join us because we can't make the change ourselves yeah but you will be educated you'll be inspired you will you will network with some incredible minds that um will help you in your career and definitely the day after you leave you'll be able to put things in place so check us out on women all
0: right and if anyone wanted to get in touch with you to help remove their roadblocks how do we reach Subi?
1: Uh, you can reach me at uh, subi.gosh at streamcompanies.com. That's S-U-B-I dot G-H-O-S-H at streamcompanies.com. Or you can look me up on any social media platform. I'm most active on Facebook, uh, Subi Gosh, And uh, you can also call me. I give my phone number at all the time. Um, please use it respectfully, but okay. 716-480-6135. Engage with me because, and don't be afraid to, because we're all just human beings and, I wouldn't be here if people didn't do the same for me. So, call, text, engage, and um, yeah. <laughs> Th-
0: thank you, Suebi. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you for sharing and, and giving out your personal phone number and making yourself so so available and uh, and 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 so uh, so so open. So, thank you so much. Have a thank great you. day. Enjoy the
1: conference. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Thanks, Suebi. Get you some radio. <laughs> You've been listening to the Get You Some Radio Show. Subscribe today at TerryLancaster.tv to hear more episodes, win valuable cash and prizes, and get free training to help you create an army of buyers who know, like, and trust you before they've ever even met you. It's a big wide world, boys and girls. Get out there and get you some.